The following program is produced and sponsored by Cancer Treatment Centers of America. The information discussed during this program is not medical advice. Be sure to talk to your medical doctor for information and advice relating to your health. I'm Wayne Shepherd. This is Health, Hope, and Inspiration. Our host is Reverend Percy McRae, Director of Faith-Based Programs at Cancer Treatment Centers of America. Percy, I'm glad to be with you today. We're going to have a very important conversation. We are grace and peace to you in the audience today, and we're going to have a very meaningful conversation today, my friend. Yeah, how many people, I mean, here we are, we're going to talk about death, let's be honest. Yep. And uh, I don't want you to tune out, though, because we all need to face this. Well, we need to understand first and foremost from a spiritual perspective what the Word of God tells us. Uh And we're told that it's appointed once unto every man to die. That's according to the Word of God. So I'll stop the scripture right there. With that being said, if that's appointed to everyone, and it is, then we need to at least attempt to have a very balanced conversation around the mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual dynamics of being prepared potentially for that appointment when it comes. Yeah. We're going to get into this more deeply here today, but just tell me, you deal with this as you have dealt with this as a hospital chaplain yep. and now as director of faith-based programs you 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 face this issue all the time don't you well that's that's definitely part and partial of the role of a bedside chaplain that at any given moment potentially you will have to address and be part of that of that transition uh, for lack of a better term and what i've learned over the course of uh, low these many years is that death can be actually a very beautiful experience. Mm-hmm. I wanted to talk to you about that. Well, the Bible says, blessed are they who die in the Lord. And so there's some meaning there. And we need to dig into that as we move through this podcast today. And as we do, I want our listeners to know that we're going to cover some territory here, but we're going to make it as easy as possible for you because we're going to put this in written form in a resource that you can download from our website. That's correct. We're going to condense this conversation into a document that will allow people to follow along from a kind of a bullet pointed perspective and with some, uh, you know, some footnotes and et cetera that will hopefully be able to help you digest this conversation. We call it When Your Loved One is Dying, and it will be available online at healthhopeandinspiration.com. It's there right now, as a matter of fact. Healthhopeandinspiration.com. Look for it when your loved one is dying. Our thanks to those who have joined us on the podcast, and thanks for subscribing at our website. Thank you. Thanks for reviewing this podcast wherever, you know, especially on iTunes, but other places as well. Yes. That attracts new listeners. It does. Bless you, and thank you for uh, taking that extra 30 seconds to do that and to share uh, that information with family and friends and continue to do so. We encourage that. Now, if you or someone you love is fighting cancer, consider Cancer Treatment Centers of America. They treat the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. Visit our website at healthhopeandinspiration.com and click on Sponsor to learn more about Cancer Treatment Centers of America. Or contact one of their friendly oncology information specialists about questions you may have. The phone number is 866-712-HOPE, 866-712-HOPE, or 712-4673. Cancer Treatment Centers of America uses state-of-the-art technologies to deliver precision medicine, personalized care, and spiritual support. Learn more at healthhopeandinspiration.com. So let's talk about the very thing that we don't want to talk about much, but Scripture guides us, doesn't it? You've, you've chosen a, a verse or two. Well, as people of faith and people who love God, we always establish and frame uh, our belief system, you know, our tenets of faith around the Word of God. And so uh, in order to uh, unpack this conversation, let's lay a foundation scripturally for it. 
Uh, our spiritual nugget for today is First Thessalonians, the fourth chapter, verses 13 through 14, says this. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you, you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep with him. And of course, the rest of the scripture says, and that we will also be met and caught up in the air Uh and we will meet our loved ones again as well. Well, I've heard those words so many times, but every time it just brings such hope and consolation, doesn't it? And comfort, because again, as we go down this path, I think that when people hear the term death, uh, it creates a very morbid sense of hopelessness and fear. Uh, and in, in some cases, because people are unsure about what does that mean, where does that take us? But as believers, we have clear insight to what the transition of leaving this mortal flesh and being caught up again with Christ into the afterworld, into eternal life. There is a very hopeful transition that takes place that we can look forward mm-hmm. to. No one likes to stand by and watch a loved one pass. It's just it's just painful. It just hurts. It hurts as deeply as anything else in life. It does. And again, um, 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, verse 26, tells us that death is an enemy that God will one day destroy. It is natural for believers, therefore, to resist death or to recoil at it, Wayne. Uh, it can be bitter, and it certainly is our enemy. But the good news with regard to that, uh, Jesus told us that, Oh, death, where is thy victory? Oh, death, where Where is is thy thy sting? sting? And then the rest of the scripture says that death has been swallowed up. Mm -hmm. I love this King James translation because when we think about this, Jesus himself walked this process that like a gulp of water, death has been swallowed up. It has been devoured. It has been digested. Hallelujah. That we have a hope beyond, again, the initial pain and struggle and, and and stress with dealing with death or separation or loss of a loved one. So it helps us to kind of reframe our thinking a little bit there. But even though we know that, we still grieve, and it's right for us to grieve. Well, the text that we read, our opening text in First Thessalonians says that I would have you not to be ignorant or uninformed, depending on what translation you're looking at, about those who have gone on, that we should not grieve as those who Ooh, have no, no hope. hope. Yeah, that's the so key. So grief is part of, so let's unpack this. Let's okay. take our time here. Okay. Grief is part of the human experience. Uh, There are some things that no matter who we are, where we've come from, that being in this mortal flesh, being uh, we are a spirit that has a soul that lives in a natural body. That's the order and design of God's engineering structure of mankind. Mm -hmm. But what is tied to the mortal flesh of man are emotions and dynamics of feelings that we experience in the three-dimensional world. So there is a concept that we now call clinically, emotionally, mentally, Grief, grieving, the loss of something, the uh, the loss of someone. So, yeah, we will experience grief, and grief is a very real thing. So let's be clear. Uh, we are not telling believers not to grieve or to ignore their grief for that matter. But we are encouraged, instructed, and reminded that in the Word of God that we do not grieve as those who have that's the key. No hope. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I want to make sure that we uh, we bake that into the conversation. So grief is natural. 
grief is appropriate, but we are not grieving as those who do not have hope. We're actually struggling through uh, just the loss and separation of that which we have come uh, to love and cherish and appreciate, and in some cases have been accustomed to that now is no longer associated with us and at our disposal. And we can't rush grief. We 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 cannot uh, you know go through it and think, okay, uh, I'm going to deal with this and I'm going to I'm going to overcome this. Grief is going to come. Well, the first mistake that many people make, because again, going back to the original point that we are uh, a spirit that has a soul that lives in a natural body. Um, And we'll have to ask God about this when we see him in heaven. God has designed and created mankind to be very uniquely different. We react differently. We respond differently. We have different temperaments. We have different uh, uh, pressure points, et cetera, et cetera. Some people are stoic and and very introverted and very, you know, non-communicative. And then there are some people who are very expressive and outgoing, uh, depending on who they are. And neither one of those are incorrect. you can't judge. So when you associate the dynamics of the unique personality of who an individual is to the way that they may potentially grieve, we must also allow that individual to naturally unpack their grief. And so to your point, uh, we certainly should not place a quote unquote time frame Mm -hmm. upon when, where and how one should grieve. And we need to be willing to step back and allow that to have its natural course. So again, we can't rush people to your point through a grief process. And even though we have this hope, we do grieve and God's grace meets us in our grief, doesn't it? Paul said it this way. He said, God's grace is sufficient for me under every circumstance and every situation. Well, what is God's grace? People get confused about the grace of God. So let me spell it out for you. God's grace is getting stuff that we didn't deserve, that we didn't earn. God gives us stuff we don't deserve to have. That's the grace of God or the theological uh, interpretation and definition. So I can sound so theological and so seminarian is, you know, is the God's unmerited favor, getting stuff that we don't deserve to have. God's grace is sufficient for us under every and all circumstances. And I now have lived long enough, Wayne, I can't speak for you. You have to tell your own testimony. Well, I've lived longer than you have. You, so. <laughs> but I've lived long enough to know this, that God's grace has been more than sufficient Amen. for me in Amen. every situation. When I thought I was at my breaking point, God's grace prevailed in every circumstance. And so God's grace is sufficient even in the midst of grief and grieving a loved one from a death perspective. Yeah. And we've said it already, but I think it's it, it bears repeating that death comes to everybody. I mean, it's inescapable. Everybody's going to get a turn. Everybody gets a swing at the bat, as my dad used to say. <laughs> you know, I come home and I would complain like, Dad, life is not fair. You know, why does this only happen to this person? Why does this only happen to that person? He said, son, everybody's going to get a turn to swing mm-hmm. the bat. Everybody's going to get a chance to stand uh, and, and, and confront, if you will, uh, the transition of death and dying and all that comes with it. And so, well, if that's, and that is true, yep. how should we then prepare? Well, then that? our preparation simply needs to be with regard to that. And according again to Hebrews, the 11th chapter 21, it tells us that, for example, that by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, he blessed each of Joseph's sons and, um, and worshiped as he leaned on top of his staff. Uh, We've had this discussion on and off the air. Of course, what many people are doing today, instead of having what they used to call funerals, we're having memorial Mm -hmm. services. Yeah, I just attended one. Yeah, we're celebrating the life of an individual. So when that uh, time and that scenario should rise upon us, that then we're 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 actually not in a in a state of such sadness.
sadness, but we're celebrating. We're celebrating who that person was, what that person meant. Uh, in, in many cases, what that person accomplished. I know for the funeral services that I've had the privilege and I've done many of them, I always attempt to highlight the fact that here is who this person was. Here is what that person has done. And the fact of the matter is this person may have died, but they are not dead yeah, because they still live on in our memories and our hearts. And the memorial I attended recently, I was so impressed with how each succeeding generation was affected by this man's life. You know, his his children, his grandchildren, his great-grandchildren were all affected by his life. Well, again, I think the model that I would throw out there and certainly what I'm attempting to do with my life, I can't speak for everyone else, is that life should be measured not by duration, but by donation. I'm going to pause for a second for people to process that for okay. a second. That at the end of the day, when you know, when you circle that last that that last rodeo, you know, what was the donation that you gave back to the earth? And again, depending on the donation of one's life, that becomes generational. Mm-hmm. That impacts people, that impacts families, that impacts communities. Uh, at the end of the day, what did we do that could be handed down from one generation to the next that people will say things about who Wayne Shepherd or Percy McRae was far beyond the days of him standing on the earth? That's what we're talking about in terms of the generations uh, coming to celebrate and to remember. And of course, that was the time of Jacob to his death uh, and, and and in Hebrews 11, it talks about where, of course, the faith chapter uh, and that this is the preparation, the act of faith that is held upon and held up as a memorial to God. Mm-hmm. We have something to talk about and we have something to celebrate, despite what the conditions of how one may have transitioned, a car accident, a fatal death, a heart attack, whatever. That was just the means of the transition from one to another. But let's talk about what was done in the life of that human being and yes. remember that and focus on yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And Jacob called for for his descendants to speak words of blessing over him. That is correct. And so we have that we have that uh, that template. We have that model before us. And certainly that is something for us that can help prime our hearts and prepare us emotionally on how to actually deal with death when that time when that appointed time comes upon each and every one mm-hmm. of us. Uh, so many times I'm sure you've stood uh, with families who have just lost a loved one. And I'm sure you've seen all kinds of reactions. Can you speak more about that and what you've learned from them? Well, what's interesting, because typically, you know, my experience of up close death and dying uh, on a very intimate level has primarily been within a hospital healthcare setting and primarily as a result of, of um, you know, sickness and disease. And so there's a myriad of emotions that I've experienced. But, you know, I'll start at the top and work my way down. Obviously, I have seen uh, the sheer shock and horror of individuals and families who have not had this thought, this conversation or consideration or or had not prepared themselves for such a time as this. And they're simply startled and they're in they're stunned and they're trying to come to terms with why and what happened. And they're just simply not prepared for the moment. And there can be some some very um, uh, significant emotional display, uh, verbal display, uh, animosity among family members, finger pointing, uh, all sorts of things where there needs to be a time of forgiveness and et cetera. I was told one time, and I thought this was very insightful, that many people grieve over how much they've lost, 
And many people grieve because of how little they had with the person, how much they're losing because they lost opportunities and didn't take advantage of the relationship. So I'll give a couple of examples, one that will speak specifically to this, and then then I'm going to go to the bottom or the top of that spectrum with regard to watching and experiencing someone die in the glory of the Lord, in mm-hmm. the presence of God. A uh, young man who was a grandson or of a cancer patient who had passed away and um, had gone off at a young age and had not visited and spent time with his grandmother over an extended period of time, was called to the hospital at the point of her death. She died, and he simply had an emotional breakdown at the bed mm. because of the very point that you just made. Mm-hmm. And and he constantly had expressed, you know, I wish that I had spent more time with my grandma. I'm, I, I regret the fact that I didn't come back to see her and, and visit her. There's and a great I, lesson there for it's us. It's a huge a lesson, yeah. absolutely. And he, and he was very... Very uh, broken and sad over that loss. Flip side, uh, I've had the privilege uh, in many cases of being at the bedside of great families who have loved one another, who have supported one another over the years and nurtured one another. And uh, a middle-aged man who uh, basically died of of cancer, but basically upon his death, sat up in his bed and began to sing Mm. and said, Lord, I'm coming. I see you. (laughs) And I I watched and witnessed this man. I witnessed his spirit transition. The grace of dying. And the family at the bedside, though there were tears, they were rejoicing at this grace-filled transition. And as the Bible tells us, blessed are they who die in the Lord. Yes. There's something to be said about the gracious and graceful exiting and dying in the presence of God, knowing where you're going versus fighting to hold on to life because of the fear of where you're going. And so those are two extreme examples of, again, of what can happen and certainly to be encouraged with regard to the latter example of what we all can potentially prepare ourselves for and our family members uh, when that time comes. Well, there's more we need to talk about, and we will here in just a moment, but I want to remind our listeners that this conversation has been summarized into a resource that we can offer to you, a printed resource called When Your Loved One is Dying. And you can find that resource at our website, healthhopeandinspiration.com. Thank God for this website that offers so, so many resources. And Percy, thanks to you and many others who make these available to us. Well, again, we simply want to provide good information to the audience. Uh, as my dad once told me, he said, son, you need the proper tool in the toolbox for the proper job that you want to do. Yeah. And so we're providing people with tools to put in their toolbox. Mm-hmm. HealthHopeAndInspiration.com is the website. Look for the resource when your loved one is dying. With hospitals in Atlanta, Chicago, Philadelphia, Phoenix, and Tulsa, Cancer Treatment Centers of America takes an integrative approach to cancer care. They use conventional medical treatments to attack the disease while helping patients manage side effects and maintain their quality of life by using evidence-informed therapies like nutrition and naturopathic support, along with pastoral care, pain management, and other supportive care services. Treatments are tailored for each patient's specific needs. Visit our website at healthhopeandinspiration.com and click on Sponsor to learn more about Cancer Treatment Centers of America or contact one of their friendly oncology information specialists about questions you may have about your treatment options by simply calling 866-712-HOPE. That's 866-712-HOPE, 712-4673. Cancer Treatment Centers of America uses state-of-the-art technologies to deliver precision medicine, personalized care, and spiritual support. 
Learn more at healthhopeandinspiration.com. Our host is Percy McCray, Director of Faith-Based Programs at Cancer Treatment Centers of America. And Percy, we're talking about death as the final journey here today. Of course, it's not the end. We need to talk about that for a moment. Correct. And 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 the title of the show can be a bit deceiving, taking the final journey, uh, with just taking the final journey on this side of heaven, really. Because when we talk about death and dying, Death is not the end. As a matter of fact, uh, for those of us who really hold true to the to the word of God, death is quite frankly the beginning uh, from 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 the, the labors. The Bible says that we are just a strangers journeying in a strange land. You know, this is not our home. Um, you know, if I can get a little into a little theology here and challenge some people's thinking a bit, uh, Earth was never designed to be the permanent place for the residency of of Adam and Eve. Isn't that interesting? It's yeah. very interesting. Yeah. That's why in the book of Revelations it tells us that there will be a new heaven and a new Earth. Mm-hmm. See there, see there, there. This is just a, a a process that we're working through, and so uh, we need to continue to remind ourselves that this is not our permanent home. And when we begin to grasp that. It helps us to understand the purpose of why death is necessary uh, as God has constituted it. Now, I don't have all of the inner workings of, of, of what God's ultimate plan is and was with regard to that. But what I do know that helps to give me great uh, solace in the fact, particularly given in, given the version of the planet Earth that I live in today, uh, I don't want this to be my permanent home. So I'll be perfectly <laughs> honest with yeah. you. Uh, when we talk about all that is going on in our world, there certainly has to be a bigger and better plan that God has mm-hmm. for human for his human creation with regard to what his desired intent is uh, for our functionality. And so when we do that, 1 Thessalonians, again, reminds us that, you know, we should not grieve as those uh, who have no hope. Or be uninformed about this. God wants us to understand this. He wants us to process it and embrace it. I tell my wife all the time, and this may sound very morbid, but I'm practicing dying every day. Mm. I'm practicing for death every day. What does that mean, Wayne? That means that I'm trying to uh, uh, dislodge myself from many of the trappings of this world that when it is time to separate from it, that it'll become hopefully easier to say that it is, you know, hopefully uh, I'll hear God say, well done, my good and faithful servant. I'm ready to come and be met with him so that I can leave the cares of this world behind because that's exactly what we're talking about. But again, the end of a journey obviously is a sad time, uh, but it can also be a time of great hope. Uh, as believers, the ultimate reward is at hand. Uh, and the expectation, all of the expectation of their life is about to be realized. And for me, I am trying to plant, if you will, uh, seeds in the earth today that will sow the benefits of hearing God say later on that you 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 accomplished everything that I given you assignment to do. Uh, my great spiritual mentor, uh, Dr. Miles Monroe, who has now passed on, died in a tragic plane crash, he and his wife, uh, said it this way. He said, the goal of every human being should be to die empty. Oh. That you were, yeah. you were given birth full of potential to do amazing things based upon the gifts and talents and abilities that God has given Spend you. Spend it for God. He said, the goal of every human being is that at the end of the day that you should leave all of that potential all of those gifts and talents and abilities in the earth and that you should die empty. He said it even further better this way. He said the graveyard is the richest place on the planet because it's full of untapped potential that was never released in the earth. Yeah. So my goal at the end of the day is that I'm going to ride this car until the brakes fall off of it. <laughs> and I'm going to leave everything that I have in the earth 
so that I can say, Lord, I did all that I knew to do with what you gave yeah. me to do. I believe it was said of William Borden, a young man who died on his way to the mission field, hmm. uh, tragically, that uh, his life was characterized by no reserve, is what you're saying, mm. no retreat and no regrets. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so if we can make our life's work, and ironically and interestingly, that's fundamentally the, the testimony of many cancer patients. They come to terms with the fact, hey, if, if I only have another year or another two years or four years left on the earth, I am going to give everything that I have to a better and higher cause other than myself. And if and when it is time for me to pass away, that I've done all that I know to do. I think that that is a model that every human being should ascribe to live by. And I think we will live differently and we will live more effectively and we will have greater impact. And actually, we will leave a legacy that when it is time to have that memorial service for generations to come and say good things about us, because at the end of the day, it's all about what we did while we lived, Wayne. Mm -hmm. Give me my flowers while I still yet live, because I can't smell them at the end of the day. Uh I want to leave a legacy of hope and inspiration, and I hope that others would like to do the same. For the believer, the the end of life, death, is not the end. One journey is ending, but a greater journey is about to begin. Let's talk about how we share this perspective with others and the timing of sharing. We can't just, everything we've talked about the last few minutes, you don't bring to someone at the time of death when they're they're grieving the most. Quite frankly, at that particular point in time, in many cases, the, the, the raw emotions of individuals who are in the midst of that situation will not be able to process the depth of what we're talking about Sometimes right now. Sometimes you just don't need to say anything at all. So really, under those circumstances, there is, that, is, that is time for the ministry of presence. There have been many times at the bedside of patients that I've been called in, I simply walked into the room, introduced myself, and simply made myself available to be present. Uh, What I have done and what many people may think about doing is I've asked family members, is there something that you would like to say to each other or to your loved one at this moment in time? Uh, That could be very meaningful. And it's very, very powerful to hear what gets unpacked at that point in time under those circumstances. People are given permission to talk very openly. People are asking for forgiveness. People are offering forgiveness and or people are offering flowers of appreciation that that becomes a very natural and organic uh, discussion and pathway that allows people to have closure. So let's talk about this a little bit, because one of the things that is important at the point of dying is allowing people to have closure. Mm. And closure means a lot of different things to a lot of different individuals. But allowing that environment, uh, a very dysfunctional family that I supported one time, uh, and they were actually arguing and fighting in the hospital room. And that's not untypical, believe Mm. it or not. Brings a lot of stress. Absolutely. And there was a lot of baggage and bad history here. Uh, Addiction, uh, incarceration, just a lot of dysfunction. And the, the grandmother was the matriarch of the family who helped keep the family intact. She paid everyone's bills. She nurtured everyone's children. She basically kept this family together. She was the glue. And, and it, it took her a very long time to clinically to expire. And the longer that process went, the more frustrating and more tension uh, entered into the room among the family members and they're at each other's throats. And the Spirit of the Lord said to me, said, gather everyone around the bed and simply ask them in her presence while she's in a coma to begin to just forgive each other and to talk to each other. 
And it was about 15 people. And they went around the room. We all held hands at the bed in the hospital. And then the Lord said to me, he said, listen, find the most uh, responsible individual of the family and basically ask that person if she would be willing to be the responsible party for the family mm-hmm. in the absence of the grandmother. And as soon as that happened, 10 seconds later, the grandmother passed away. Oh, boy. What's the takeaway, Reverend McCray? Well, listen to me closely. Pick up a pen and write some notes. The grandmother, though she's in a coma, which is another principle to understand, just because people are in a coma does not mean they can't hear you or understand what's going on around them, refused to die to leave her family in a state of disarray without a leader. You believe that, don't you? As soon as the mantle was passed along and someone stepped up and said, I will be willing to be responsible for my family going forward. And then she heard everyone love and forgive each other. She passed away. Mm -hmm. And I saw a family mend and heal and forgive each other in a very powerful way. Though the patient died, though we lost the patient, we did not lose the family. And in the midst of grieving and loss, there was healing that took place. Blessed are they who die in the Lord. Thank you for sharing that, Percy. I have this idea that our listeners can take this conversation, the notes from this conversation in this resource, and use it to have a conversation about death. Yes. Not at the time of the loss of a loved one, perhaps, but maybe a husband and wife can sit down and just talk through the whole issue of death and dying. Absolutely. Using this as an outline. I think that would be a very beneficial thing. Again, our goal here is to give people tools to put in their toolbox. This is equipping individuals to deal with very hard issues, conversations, and topics and subjects around sickness and disease, and specific to cancer, with regard to the faith and hope of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look for the resource, When Your Loved One is Dying. It's available at healthhopeandinspiration.com. Let's let the first word today be the last word. Why don't you take us back to uh, 1 Thessalonians? As we close, fourth chapter, verses 13 and 14, and I would actually encourage everyone to read the rest of that text through about the 18th verse. But for the sake of time, we'll read verses 13 and 14. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Today, be encouraged around the fact that you will again, if your loved one dies in the Lord, and you are in the presence of God through his grace, that you will be reunited with him at a later great date and time. Thank you for having this conversation with us today, Percy. Thank you, my friend. God bless you, and thank you for listening, everyone, to Health, Hope, and Inspiration. Health, Hope, and Inspiration is produced and sponsored by Cancer Treatment Centers of America. If you or someone you love is fighting cancer, consider Cancer Treatment Centers of America. We treat the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. 
our hospitals in Atlanta, Chicago, Philadelphia, Phoenix, and Tulsa take an integrative approach to cancer care. We use conventional medical treatments to attack the disease while helping patients manage side effects and maintain their quality of life by using evidence-informed therapies like nutrition and naturopathic support, along with pastoral care, pain management, and other supportive care services. Treatments are tailored to each patient's specific needs. Visit healthhopeandinspiration.com to view our cancer-related resources or to contact our oncology information specialists about questions you may have about your treatment options. Working together under one roof, our cancer experts use state-of-the-art technologies to deliver precision medicine, personalized care, and spiritual support. Learn more at healthhopeandinspiration.com.